Hey. Hey, buddy. Hey. How was your bathroom? Kind of dirty. Like the the, <laughs> the the bathroom itself or the experience as a whole? No, the bathroom itself. Okay. You never cl- know. I don't clean very often. Me neither, right? Why would we? What are your headphones ta- plugged into? Or did you just unplug them for that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, what is that? What have has he never had these plugged in in all of this time? <laughs> <laughs> you just put them on and they work, right? I, I just yeah yeah they're they're wireless, right? <laughs> I knew you guys went all all out. <laughs> oh my um. god. Welcome to a perfectly accessible podcast. It's episode 223. It's a comic book podcast. Hey, wait. Hey, wait. <laughs> We've got some new complaints. We don't. We loved them. Every single one. Not a, not a thing wrong with it. That was Louise Comics. See you next week. This, <laughs> this episode 223, it's a comic podcast done by people who love comics for people who love comics. We're just going to talk about the comics. A variety of other things um, as as well. The, you know, the shop, the comings and goings of our lives. It's it's going to be a little bit all over the place. I have had a sort of strange week. I haven't read quite as many comics as normal. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But Roman, hey, buddy. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? It's, been, it's good. It's, it's, we're at the end of your strange week. Yeah, we are just about at the end of the strange week. Roman, I saw you on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I saw you. You sure did. And then Wednesday is my friday for everyone else Hmm. and that night i got off well that morning actually i woke up pretty stressed out because my best friend my favorite animal my favorite cat in all the land little man rocky was acting like maybe he had a urethral blockage again Uh um so i was pretty stressed out Django did my deliveries for me so i could like work in the morning and stay home with him but around about seven o'clock at night it was looking like it was getting worse. So Sam and I had to take him out to the emergency room and we were there until midnight. Um, And they, he was like real, real blocked up and we just waited for five hours and it was absolutely terrifying. Um, And they couldn't get him to pee and they were about to give him a catheter, which would have been very expensive and they would have had to keep him for like another day and everything. And Mm -hmm. just as they were about to give him a catheter, he got real upset. It's like midnight at this point, and he just peed everywhere, just like exploded pee, got it all over him. But that was a good thing, and they let us take him home and gave him a bunch of meds. I've just spent the last like four days following my cat around and trying to keep track of how often he's peeing, and it is the most stressful, horrible shit. So I like I I had a pretty hard time doing anything but stress out endlessly mm-hmm. about my best buddy's urethra story of my life. Um, yeah, so I only I only read six or so books this week. So Roman, you picked wow. up the slack for me. Thank you. Wow, that's a, <clears throat> what an ordeal. I'm sorry to hear all that, but I'm glad he's that little man's okay. Yeah, we got some meds. 
Um, and then we got this like prescription food. They because he peed, just I think he covered all of the walls and pee. Um, he uh, they were able to get a urinalysis, and he had a ton of what are called struvite strulite crystals, which is it sounds basically oh. like human kidney stones for cats. Yeah, they were like it's actually good to see that because we're just going to get this prescription food. It's, it, it's built to break those down. So she was like, yeah, this is this is cool. But what I wanted, so they got that prescription. And I went to get it filled the next day and they didn't have it at the vet I normally go to. They didn't have it at the vet that I don't normally go to. They didn't have it at the vet down in Burlington that I called. Wow. But then I finally, and then apparently this specific type of food that they were like, you really need to get today. It's had this because of COVID has just been short all over and they've been way back ordered. But I found this smaller feline clinic in town that had a couple bags and they got wow. me them. So what I want to say, Bellingham, Washington, I don't have much of a platform, but every single place i went was amazing to me the emergency room people were so calm and i'm like crying to them and they were just like making me feel better and calming me down my normal vet people were awesome i had to go there the next day to get food couldn't find any of that food they were like calling other places for me finally found the third clinic and she was just like i have got some good news for you get in here right now we're gonna get rocky i just we live in a wonderful lucky place for <laughs> animal care um, it's been deep affecting me the last week. So I thank you to every animal professional in Bellingham because I have been an absolute wreck. I was just, I'd be like, I've been getting up at five pretty much every morning. I got to give him his meds and he doesn't know what time it is. So I just been like laying on the floor in the hallway with it. It's wow. Yeah. Yeah. The things we do was, was it the third place where you got it? Was that the cat clinic mm -hmm. over on, over on DuPont? I think. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love this town. I mean, that's all these connections. My one of our previous owners, another friend of the show, Jace, Jason Nufkus, he worked yeah. at Cat Clinic for a while. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it's super scary. And I just I'm such a huge animal lover, as everyone knows. Yeah, it's a comic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Comics. So this week, because I didn't read quite as many as normal because I was just very distracted. Um, Shorter list. We're going to talk about Nightwing 79, second issue of Tom Taylor's run. Way of X, number one. The Many Deaths of Layla Starr, number one. Women of Marvel, number one. And Alice in Leatherland, number one. But before we get into all that, Roman, again, this is a comic podcast. It's a comic podcast. We know. But let's just play a little bit. Django's not here. It's Jeff and Roman. We get to do a little bit of thought experiments. We get to explore the space a little all bit right, more than normal. Right. And we're going to play that Carlin clip. Oh, yeah, we're going to play that Carlin clip all it's lot. A com it's a comic podcast. It's a comic podcast. Uh, yeah, Carlin, Chappelle, obviously my yep, favorite, yep, your Chappelle, favorite, yeah. Carlin. We're going to get both in there. Uh, what I was able to do pretty often was spend some time on Reddit, which I know is a thing that you don't spend time on. I do not. <laughs> but you're one of the wisest people I've ever known. Ha, got you fooled. <laughs> and on Reddit, there is a subreddit, which... I've already got you lost, but I know a, what a subreddit is. Okay. All right. All right. It's called shower thoughts. Okay. <laughs> and they are thoughts that people have in the shower and they can range from asinine to profound. <laughs> and I want to read some shower thoughts that I found for you in the last day or two while sitting on, because it's hard to like read comics, but I could kind of mindlessly scroll while I sat next to my kitty cat. So, I just got some thoughts and I'm going to toss them at you and I'm just going to see profound or not, according to you. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. First one, you can get arrested for peeing in front of other people and then you'll be forced to pee in front of other people. 
<laughs> That's kind of profound. Yeah. It's kind of profound, right? Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Do you have to, if you get arrested, do you have to pee in front of other people? In the prison showers. Oh, 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 arrested and imprisoned. Okay. Or, you know, just taken to the room, you know, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking, I was thinking they arrest you and like automatically take your interrogation room and okay pee yeah, well, <laughs> well, you can't that's what i'm doing with my cat this whole time like will you please just pee <laughs> if you can't pee you're guilty oh god <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have a urethral blockage at that point okay the world is so much better when people connect over their love of something rather than their hate of something mm, profound profound shower thought right there <laughs> santa claus or secret santa could have clearly been named confidentiality clause <laughs> I love it. Pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know, unquote, is probably simultaneously the most accurate and most annoying response you can get to a question. <laughs> this is true. Like the, for, for sure, profound. Yeah, it, okay. You don't start making dad jokes because you're suddenly no longer with it. You start making dad jokes because you're finally old enough and confident enough to not care if you look silly to make someone smile. <laughs> Yes, as a dad fact. joker yourself. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been a dad, dad joker since I was 13. <laughs> okay, I got I like this one. All right. Get ready for this. All right. Okay. When listening to foreign music, vocals are more like instrumentals, because you can't understand them, and therefore treat them more for musicality than lyrics. Oh, wow. Cool, right? That's profound. Yeah, that's a nice thought. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And at first I misunderstood. I, I thought they were saying, only music by foreigner but no no not the no oh man hot-blooded <laughs> indeed uh in the future we won't be colorizing pictures like we do to black and white photos mm -hmm. we will be removing the filters right all these people use filters on instagram and stuff to make photos look a certain way but if we actually oh. want real photos we'll have to be unfiltering them oh i like that okay right because there's always because there's always been filters in photography but yeah it's a, it, they've gone too crazy nowadays they sure have I, my I, face looks like a dog all of a sudden yeah and some of these filters just like i see like in this one facebook photography group people post these pictures with these filters that make their photos look like um thomas kincaid paintings uh -huh. i know, you know the, pa the painter of light yeah which which are, are horrible well, and i had to bite bite my tongue and not like say something like oh my god you wanted to just look like are that? you <laughs> casting aspersions at t kink the master of natty light i am i am wow <laughs> i've never met someone horrible so disrespectful of t kink and the natty light oh man that is brutal okay so all of that pretty profound stuff can happen in the shower right roman yeah okay oh, yeah what are you going to do it, next it, time you're in the shower? That's why I love showering. Um, <laughs> you just feel like you're communing with the gods. Well, I'm hoping there's, you know, the muses will touch me and there'll be some kind of like something will profundity, but you know, usually it's just like stupid bullshit and, and like suddenly singing kiss lyrics and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is nice when something touches you and it makes profundity instead of just a mess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Roman, thanks for playing that game with me. Do you feel closer to joining Reddit after that or further away? Oh, no. I'm, I'm still never joining Reddit. Okay. All right. Well, we'll meet <laughs> you back here for the next time. It's just Jeff and Roman on a podcast. Okay. It's a, it's a comic podcast. It's a T-Kink Natty Light comic <laughs> podcast. And I want to talk about Nightwing number 79 by Tom Taylor. 
who is one of our shops and this podcast's favorite writers at this point with art by Bruno Redondo and colors by Adriano Lucas. Second issue in this run. And I feel confident in saying that it's like even only two issues in, maybe the most fun book for me coming out. I mean, I guess like maybe Roman could say like Rorschach is fun, you know, but like, I don't know. This one is like kind of fun superhero feels like classic superhero comics of the 90s but the good 90s like the late 90s the chuck dixon 90s yeah yeah this is um <clears throat> i wish like i like i wish like say i don't know spider-man felt to me like the feelings this this these two issues of nightwing bring bring up it's just like the classic versions of those this character in brand new stories and settings and it's not just you know rehashing old stuff but it's still classic that's a really interesting point i think spider-man is a really interesting character to even just think about because as you know and listeners know the invincible show has been coming out and we've been talking mm -hmm. about liking it a lot roman got all caught up yep and when i keep trying to get people to watch it i'm like it's like you know superhero shows or stories if you've read plenty of superhero things but what i really feel like is like it's it's like a, a better version of modern day like spider-man like it does what made spider-man so good but spider-man did it for like 40 or 50 years and at some point that character's kind of aged a little bit or we're kind of stuck in this liminal space where like we have to impose maturity on him or something so he's not able to just kind of be stuck in that the relationship waters of your teens and trying to find a job like kind of what makes I, I guess what made spider-man unique but is no longer unique because it's a feature of him is now able to kind of be unique and like invincible and i feel like nightwing kind of does the same thing like it, it this these this particular story it's kind of embracing the the fun and naive youth of like being in a city and being a superhero and messing up, mm -hmm. but also having fun and trying to do the right thing. And yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a, like a vintage thing to it. And I just, I absolutely adore. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I, I, and I, and I think even the coloring is, is part of that. I mean, even the first page of this is just so beautiful. It's, and it's just Nightwing <clears throat> diving off a building and as he descends, I mean, he starts as a Grayson and then he's a Robin or the Robin. And then his first Nightwing costume and a later costume of the current one. It's just it's just a beautiful scene. And I love, you know, like Mikkel Janin did that a lot in the Batman run. But like I love yeah. these static, large single page or two page shots where it shows, you know, grayed out kind of versions of a person moving through panels but it's all kind of within a singular static image as this one does as he changes through costumes I, i'm such a sucker for that it happens on a beautiful double page spread later on in this issue as well yeah and like the page uh two and three which him talking about like his father or his parents and then his father and then his other father and then his friends like that double page spread is two pages of 24 panels and technique like the only way that you kind of know that it's actually a double page spread is that the batman cape on the middle portion of the top kind of bleeds over some panels but it's that perfect comic booking indicator of like hey this is how you tell the reader that even though these panels are divided in a way that looks like each page is like a singular separate thing this unites it so it cues the reader to like read it as a whole i just love 
comic books and i love that like you know i love when it's people using the medium in a the way that only comic books can be used yeah yeah right just a couple of <clears throat> panels that same sequence i love how uh <clears throat> they're they're in a training session and and bruce batman has has knocked dick to the ground and, and he gives him his hand to help him up and I just love how both of their heads in that sequence are are breaking the panels. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lot of like kind of overlapping of the panel gutters there, uh, yeah. and I, I just adore, I adore that. I don't, I haven't really seen this artist much, but between their paneling and facial expressions and the drawings of the towns combined with the coloring that Adriano Lucas is doing with these like blues and these pinks and like neon lighting. It's just, it really on top of being so fun and kind of capturing my never ending love of sort of high school romance stories, like all of that together just makes this phenomenal. And it's amazing to me. It's a testament to the writers that they're able to take Barbara and Dick and have this relationship romantic tension between the two of them like at some point this should have been played out right like at some point ross and rachel from friends stop being a compelling <laughs> thing you know like the will they won't they but yeah. even longer we're you know 20 30 years 40 years of this and to be able to put them in these situations and and kind of just be like man i want those two to end up together if dick doesn't end up with me <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think that's really cool too because yeah, previously they've had a, and I don't even know where things stand now and whatever continuity we're in now, but overall, yeah, they've had a relationship before and dated before and, and that ended, but I'm glad that, that there's still that tension and it's captured so well here and they don't really, they're not married to continuity because neither one of them mentions like, oh, when we used to date or anything, it's just, right. it's just there, the tension. Yeah. And yeah. Then I, and I love the fact uh, that they go to Marv and George's 24-hour pizza. Cause I don't get Mar it. Marv Wolfman and George oh, Brown. Oh, nice. That's so yeah. much better than the street signs and every Batman yeah. comic just saying yeah. Finger Kane Alley or whatever. Yeah, I really like that. Because because they're the ones that turned him into Nightwing. Right. That is, that's a new level. I do, like, I get, I've been getting kind of tired of the street sign, original yeah. Batman creator ones. But... I, I like when they slip one by me like that. Yeah, and I was even wondering because I, with an artist like this, I try to read all the little post-it notes and signs and things. Mm -hmm. And I'm even wondering, they don't mention it, it's not part of the story at all, but there's a going out of business sign in this pizza parlor. I was like, Dick, you got to do something to save this pizza parlor. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to have two for one slight. Well, I mean, he kind of did. He just gave them a lot of business. Actually, yeah, yeah, he does end up doing that. But they don't mention the going out of business thing, I don't think um they don't you're right uh I, I, not to beat a dead horse which is a cruel thing to do because horses are beautiful majestic animals but i i really like the texturing that this artist does with uh like zipatone dots even mm -hmm. just like on um you know the the page where the the homeless father and son approach them and they give them some pizza and they're kind of the forefront of that panel. But actually the forefront is just a shaded Dick and Barbara. And just yeah. like the way that those dots are used there to imply like shading. And, and that's what was going on in that even sort of original Naomi discussion. I just really like that texturing. I, and I, yeah. I like, I feel like 
there's a refined nature to it here. It's not all over the place. It's not messy, but it's just a, a nice bit of shading that happens when it happens. Yeah, it's done. It's used very well. By the, I mean, they use it on the parts of Batman we see earlier on, on the second and mm-hmm. third pages. Yeah. But they don't overuse it. And it's, and it's a nice nostalgic thing. It adds to kind of that nostalgic feel of comic because you mm-hmm. used to see that a lot in the in the uh i don't know about the golden age but i know definitely in the 70s and 60s you'd see it right because that was like the printing limitations yeah yeah Yeah, i just you know justin i don't we don't tease him it's like a cute hilarious feature of justin that he has read a huge number of like chuck dixon nightwing and batman comics and I'm like, I'm envious of it because at the one hand, he's sort of like, no, a lot of it's not very good. But on the other hand, I just, you know, Spawn, Walking Dead, Invincible. I love these series that have this huge, long body that you've been, you can read for years and years and years, whether it's good or bad. And, you know, Nightwing is a character who's had that happen, but not in my time of reading comics. And this book feels like it's not it's not the diamond. It's not trying to say I'm Scott Snyder. I'm the, the metal. Like every, this is the book of the DC universe. It's just like, this is a Nightwing book and it's going to be really good. And it feels close to the core of the character and it feels important to the character, but also allowed to be on the fringe, which I think is one of the things kind of allow are allowed to explore a little bit more. And I just, I absolutely uh, adore it. I can't recommend getting on it enough for everybody uh yeah roman i guess scores is something we got to talk about we do in our no sevens or all sevens or that that no seven thing that was tough yeah let's not do that okay okay (laughs) okay how about this it's either an eight or a nine or a ten an eight or a nine or ten but what if it's what if it's none of those then what do we say yeah it's a good point that's a good point then we'll have to say um below an eight I'm going to do whole numbers, no decimals. I say this book is a 9.5. No decimals, Ooh. 9.5. <laughs> um, I'll definitely, yeah, I'll give this book a, I'll give it a nine. I'm really liking this book. It even made me think of Django because there's there's a uh, Temple of Doom type Ugh. action <laughs> where a poor guy gets his heart slurped right out of his chest you got slurped right out i've never seen that one temple of doom yeah, yeah. oh my gosh well i'm sure Django or i both probably have it on dvd <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> i watched i was watching a little bit of the academy awards tonight and uh i watched harrison ford do the intro to an award and i was like this man is old as shit <laughs> wow um, he was the how did was it all virtual this time or online what it it took place in a very small room comparatively there was probably 120 people in a giant space like a probably auditorium size space and um yeah i only watched a little bit of it sam had it on but i did get to see my main man trent reznor win an academy award for best score again for for what soul although he was nominated for two mank and soul um man they're going to kill Harrison Ford. There's a pandemic on. They should have him in a room of 120 people. I bet he's, that, he's old. I bet that everyone was vaccinated twice. And I bet everybody got COVID tested like the day of or something. I would have, I mean, right. You can't do it otherwise. Uh, let's just mix up this whole, this whole mixing up the medicine type thing here. We got a voice memo from Will Elmer. Let's Ooh. get it. 
Well, hello there, Jeff the Land Shark and the Pap Coast Avengers. Oh. Just wanted to memo in to answer Django's question from last week about which uh, non Marvel or DC comic book character or comic book would I like to see as a Batman the Animated Series, uh, Saturday morning style or you know weekday afternoon cartoon uh, show. And while I think that um, you know a firepower or a black hammer or a preacher would all make pretty awesome cartoons. I don't know if they would be family friendly Saturday morning style cartoons. So with that in mind, I'm going to choose Claus or Klaus. If you're hip, um, I think it would be, I think it would work really well as a Saturday morning cartoon. You got a whole rogues gallery where you can have your, your wintertime warrior in Claus taking on the likes of Krampus or Jack Frost or the Grinch, uh, and just protecting protecting the the season, protecting the seasonal holidays. Um, and I would definitely watch that with my kids. Uh, wake up early, eight o'clock on Saturday mornings, just to just to get some uh, some Santa Claus in my life every single week. So I wanted to leave you guys with a final question. Um, before I get to the question, finished the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I thought it was great. Um, I thought they did a fantastic job with Sam and kind of the the weight of a uh, black man in America, uh, you know, putting on the stars and stripes. Uh, I thought it was really well done seeing all the different characters in the show being kind of warped reflections of Steve Rogers and kind of trying to live up to that, those ideals and those expectations uh, set by him and you know, the, the antagonists of the story, like John Walker or Carly Morgenthau being, you know, not necessarily completely wrong. You know, maybe they're making the wrong choices, but, you know, both being kind of products of the environment that brought them up, whether it's being a, a, a refugee, everyone coming back from the, from the snap, or, you know, being a product of the kind of military industrial complex with John Walker and, you know, kind of struggling to be the hero that everybody expects him to be. And that just kind of left me with the question for you guys of, you know, out of what superhero movie, uh, TV show, DC, Marvel, um, do you guys agree with the villain the most? That doesn't mean you have to agree with the killing, but what, what villain do you think, what was the most nuanced villain that you uh, agreed with? Uh, love to hear your guys' response or anybody else that wants to, uh, to call or write in. Have a great one. Bye. Great question will i bet roman will have a more interesting answer than i will because he's just got a hundred years more fiction inside of him because he is klaus klaus um and i think that's a great answer to that saturday morning cartoon that i, I would yeah. watch that myself before we yeah, answer that question sure. roman what did you think about falcon winter soldier at the end of everything um, spoilers everyone well, yeah spoilers final episode is out yeah spoilers if somebody hasn't watched the final episode um I, I liked it. I liked the whole series. The final episode, I I mainly really loved uh, what they did with Isaiah Bradley and the, mm -hmm. the scenes at the end with um, Sam and Isaiah Bradley. And is that Isaiah's, um, is that his grandson, the kid that hangs out there? Yeah, it seems like it. Or maybe even great-grandson or something. But yeah, some probably a family member that's allowing him to okay. hide the which I just I just realized like the day after I watched the episode. Oh, I wonder if that kid then is being set up to become maybe 
Patriot at some point in the future. Oh. Because yeah, because Patriot from the Young Avengers. Young Avengers. Thank yeah. I was thinking Kid Avengers, but yeah, the Young Avengers. <laughs> he's in the comic books, he's like a nephew or grandson of Isaiah Bradley. Right. Justin was just telling me about that. Yeah. Um, so I really loved what they did with him and that and the final scene was great, even though the part of me that works in a museum is like, you know, a museum and in order to set up a new ex- part of piece, add a piece to a to an exhibit and a step with a statue and all this write up, especially a government museum, it would take them <laughs> weeks to months to actually get that done. <laughs> well, who knows how long they were having that beautiful boy party on that boat? That, that, that's you know? true. They could have been boy partying on the boat for weeks while they were setting that up. Yeah, and I'm glad that Elmer or Elmer with <laughs> <laughs> that, that Will said the uh, reminded me about the. Um, the refugee thing and the people coming back from the snap because I kept on being, I was excited about the idea of the flag smashers, but I never, I just never, Carly Morgenthau, she never convinced me that she was a threat. <laughs> I agree. I'm, I, and I, I'd say all of the bad guys in that show similarly didn't convince me they were threats, but I think it's kind of as Will was saying, you know, like because those bad guys weren't really bad guys and, and I liked that. I, I really liked the U.S. agent stuff. I, I loved episode four and five. I think that ratcheted up there. Six, I thought was very good, but it was typically very action heavy. Uh, I think they could have cut 30 yeah. minutes out of that and I wouldn't have even noticed. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I felt, too. I like the I, the introduction of. Uh, uh, the Countess Valentina, whatever, you know, Nick Fury's girlfriend mm-hmm. from the 60s that later became important in all sorts of ways, all of her own. Is that who Elaine was? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know who Elaine was. I kept being like, that's going to make sense at some point. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, um, my favorite moment was just the, the, I, what I wanted them to get to. And just, I appreciated they overtly said it, which was like when Bucky and Sam were like making up and about to make out in episode five. And Bucky was just like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I've been pissed off at you for not taking the shield, but I didn't really realize the moral battle of the weight of being a black man mm-hmm. having the captain you know, of the shield. And, that's what was the most Im- interesting aspect of the yeah. show to me is the weight of that decision. And I was kind of hoping that Bucky was going to become cap the whole time because I just wanted that great Brubaker Bucky <laughs> captain suit. Yeah. But it makes sense. He's killed people. We can't have a captain America who kills people. Sam doesn't kill people. Like it, it, it all made a lot of sense, but yeah, I, the just in episode five, that statement was to me like, okay, cool. That's, that's what I, I wanted out of this. And it was what I hoped and I got it. And then it was just like boat party. And I, I loved that. So yeah, the show loved it. Didn't think I was gonna and uh, liked it even more than WandaVision. Same thing. I really did. I mean, the, the, the whole black man in America thing, that's what really was most important to me about the series too. Yeah. And man, Sam, that's a great costume. He's got at the end of the series. It is. That's the Captain America. Yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic costume on, on, live action yeah um, it translated so well to the screen i totally agree yeah yeah I, I like it better on screen than i do in the comics which is weird it's because usually it's the other way around yeah um even though yeah bucky had a fantastic costume as captain america too but we do have to answer will's question which oh. is, which villain do you agree with and i have kind of a cop-out villains you know it can be a morally gray space the one that comes to mind for me is almost not really a villain but of a in terms of like a hero 
problem that came up. I really like what Rick Remainer, sorry, not Rick Remainer, uh, Jonathan Hickman set up in his Fantastic Four run, which is Reed Richards finding creating the gate to the infinite council of reeds which is just like in every reality reed is the smartest man and he eventually at some point makes a gate to go to this other place and then all reeds go there it's the rick and morty story that they stole from hickman and they want to do multiversal good but in doing so he has to neglect his family and I really liked the battle that he had of, is it more important to do good for the entire multiverse and unequivocal good benevolence for everything, better for the masses as a whole, inarguably, or is it more important to just be a father and be with your family? That crew of reeds kind of becomes bad later on. Um, so it's kind of why I wrap it into the the villainous stuff. Wow, that was, that was a great answer. I, I'm very impressed. That's... Yeah, that was a good one. I, I'm embarrassed now. I don't know what to say. Um, also kind of a cop out, but the first one to pop in mind was was the uh, Magneto. Because mm, that's a really good point, dude. Thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of and nowadays he's kind of more of a hero, I guess, in a way. I think that's um, why it's such a good point to bring up like his stance, even when he was the most evil, he was a didn't take a whole lot for him to become good, right? Like he yeah. You know, it's it's victim of war crimes, not wanting to be persecuted. Therefore, like that's that's a that's a gray zone. Yeah, and it was always the tension between him and Professor X because X was like, you know, you can't go to your extremes because then that makes you just as bad as as the Nazis or you know fill in the blank right. totalitarian figure. Um, and and Magneto was like, well. Uh, like Malcolm X, or it's like, no, you have to use militant means in order to actually get ahead and and force everyone to accept us as equals. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, it's and it's still the pertinent argument today. And your answer is a great segue to our next book, which is Way of X number one by Simon Spurrier as, as the writer and or Cy Spurrier rather, and then art by Bob Quinn or um Bob Q, who did a lot, like did the Mark Russell Lone Ranger series, so which is pretty oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't put that together. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't either. Django mentioned it on Tuesday, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, I'm excited to talk to you about this. This is a new Marvel X-Men book coming out of the Dawn of X stuff. We've been getting a lot of them, and they seem to be getting a little bit uh, more tributary, to use a water reference, further from the main source and a little bit further out there exploring the ground as it's eventually headed towards the sea. But this one feels pretty dialed into a lot of the main questions that Hickman has posed with the Dawn of X era, people of Krakoa. And I think that it's a great usage of Nightcrawler, um, who has this religious background. And where we're at with Krakoa is a very morally gray space, even going back to Will's question. This podcast has just fallen together, you know? It's really (laughs) one step after the other. But uh, yeah, I... And there's some great Magneto stuff in here, and it even kind of pokes fun at his more malevolent past. What did you think of this? I'm always, my default thing is to be a little bit too on board for these new X-Men things, and then react a little bit too harshly when it doesn't meet my expectation for what I want the Hickman book to be, and it's not even meeting that expectation. So where are you as a more uh, genuine reader? Oh, it was all, oh, you're, you I'm not a more genuine reader. We're, we're all genuine. Um, I, I was going to make an X joke and this was very exciting. Oh, um, it was. You know, it, 
I really like this issue. Nightcrawler's just about probably safely I can say he's my favorite X-Men. Um and I was worried about this because I was thinking, oh boy, I I haven't been thrilled with Nightcrawler for years, but he's but the idea of him is still my favorite. Mm-hmm. Boy, right away this this issue surprised me because I first page I didn't know who this character was until I saw the cerebral helmet on the desk because we haven't seen Professor X mm-hmm. without that helmet on, mm-hmm. so now we know he doesn't sleep with the helmet on. Um, I liked it though. I liked the fact that the, the way Spurrier showed in, in a realistic way that Nightcrawler, even though he's the one that came up with the idea for having a mutant religion, then he realized, wow, that's an incredibly huge thing. And I'm not that interested in really trying to form, to organize a religion. I love the way that when he, <laughs> like at some point in here, you know, Charles or Magnus are like, were you going to get back to that mutant religion? He's like, man, I really wish I hadn't talked about that because like (laughs) it was more of an idea I want. And that's how I feel whenever I get excited about a project. I talk about it, but then that talking about it gives me a sense of satisfaction that then kind of mutes my desire to make it happen. So I'm excited (laughs) about something. I got to shut up, work at it and let it happen. So I I loved that even just a little bit of dialogue in here. Yeah, that was that felt so real. Mm -hmm. Um, because, yeah, and also when other people bring it up, you're kind of like, well, I got what I wanted out of me saying that out loud. So, <laughs> why, why are you bothering me about this now? I don't need to actually do it now that I've impressed you with my idea for doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, furthering that point, I think that Nightcrawler is easy to write as a paragon of different things. I think mm-hmm. he is, he can either be the religious character or the moral character or the one who sacrifices him. Like he's so, so many different things, but I like, I guess, the ambiguity of, I guess, exactly what you were saying. Like, he's he's a person in conflict. He, as he says in the monologues and writings of the early scriptures in this book, like, it's not that he understands what he believes, but there's something going on on this island that he doesn't like. And I like that he's just trying to explore that, like, man, why do I value death? I don't want to value death, but I do think a culture who doesn't value death is there's, he can't put his finger on it, but there's like something feels a little weird about that. And I agree, like it takes away, I think, you know, death is somehow related to humanity. It maybe is it's a possible conversation of exploration in this book. And yeah. yeah, I like, I like the, just what he's exploring there. He's not an easily written character. It's, it's, you know, religious battles, kind of in a mutant island yeah yeah definitely because and i'm glad this series is maybe kind of focusing on that question because it is a disturbing thing about krakoa because i mean once death becomes not very important and easily surmounted that eventually removes you even more i think from humanity Mm -hmm. because you know what humans all humans have to worry about death and it's final and now with the mutants no they in yet another way they become homo superior yeah so and that's not necessarily a good thing not a complaint but one thing while i was reading this issue that struck me a little bit like i just i don't know i while trying to figure out my feelings too early about this issue on the first page i'm like well this is going well and issue page two and three i'm like wow this is really going well i like this nature of like charles xavier reaching out to a priest through telepathy and like i love 
you know, Nightcrawler's line of dialogue, which is something to the effect of just like, yeah, in my experience, when someone calls a priest in the middle of the night, it's either to ask forgiveness or, you know, like, uh, was just a, or, you know, to decide if something's a good idea. And I, I really, I liked that. But then we get to this conversation of these kids and they're talking about something as if it's like virginity, you know, they're like, well, why don't you just do it? It's fine. And they're like, I don't yeah. really know. It's like, it's special. It's a big thing. And you realize they're talking about the reincarnation and one of the mutants has not died and been reincarnated yet. And they're like, no, it's totally fine. She's like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden they meet a challenge and she's just like, I'll stop you <laughs> confidently knowing she's going to get her head blown off and she gets her head blown off. And it was this very abrupt change in demeanor and conversation and idea that she was espousing. And it, th that was the only bit in this whole issue where I was like, Oh yeah, kind of mixed up the horse and the carriage there. Like I, you're <laughs> trying to have a conversation, but to have that conversation, you establish characters having feelings and then you betrayed the characterization you had just done to further a conversation. That's yeah. nitpicking totally. But like yeah. seven pages in, I was like, okay, if this whole thing is going to be putting the conversation before the characters or something, I, I, but anyway, it, it totally course corrected from there. And that was just yeah. one totally asinine thing that stood out. No, no, it's not asinine. I, I agree. Um, I mean, they should have, and maybe they should have done that with one of these other characters that I think might be new characters, like this 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 guy that apparently he kind of has powers like Dazzler, except he can turn sound into like a force field or something like that. Yeah. Instead of, instead of a light show, you know, do that with him, not somebody like Pixie, who's been around. She's not a super well known X Men, but she's been around for a while. And for me, she was just in. Her and Wolverine were just in the last two issues of Runaways. Okay. Because um, they show up there to like recruit Molly to come okay. to Kakoa because apparently Molly's a mutant. Mm -hmm. um, but then it turns out she's not a mutant. Um, but in that, Pixie is, is I don't know, she just seems like a, a more, and she's young, but she seems like a more emotionally mature character than she does here in, in these this brief scene. Although they do have, like, it, it does that quick sort of thing ultimately posed a conversation I think was really important because she's yeah. like, well, I don't know because like, you know, my favorite food is sushi my whole life, but now I like cheese toasties today. And then she dies and Nightcrawler brings her a cheese toastie and she's like, no, my favorite food is sushi. And it's like, yes, this thing of reincarnation, you know, it only works for the backup. We lose something every time. It's like if you play a video game, I compulsively save my file because even just going into the next room, if I die, I lost that movement to that room, right? I don't ever want to go backwards. And that's really what we're talking about with these X-Men. So, yeah. Yeah. So you lose little bits of bits of your life. You do lose, lose yeah. permanently. Yeah. Um, and yeah, everybody's acting like you don't lose anything. And I don't, is it this issue? Maybe I'm thinking of sword this mm -hmm. week, but no, this issue just deals with the, Oh, the other morally gross thing. The, the, uh, yeah, um, the combat they go through exactly. in order to like, earn their powers again. Yeah, yeah, which is also a problem problematic. Yeah, thing. that's the really fucked up part. And I, I remember the X Men issue where they brought that up, and I was like, "Damn!" I guess that was the issue where I think they even started having Nightcrawler look into religion. But yeah, that was yeah, uh, that's a really fucked up, fucked. It, it's it's kind of almost as a proof of lack of humanity or something. It's just like, eh. yeah, it's such a gross thing having to earn and being so violent it's like wow this is this is too much like i don't know macho 
creepy shit the Romans did. And that kind I was of just going to say, if you want to be homo <laughs> superior, how about not reduce yourself to like the Colosseum, right? Like don't go <laughs> yeah. backwards in time. But anyway, I, I really liked this. I'm going to give it a nine. Um, it, no, wait, no, sorry. No decimal points. I'm going to give this one a 9.5. Uh, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's almost perfect. Like it's, it's great writing it. I know it seems counterintuitive, but when I can point to one thing where I'm like, yeah, this bugged me like that is a testament to how good it is. Like this weird inconsistency and in dialogue of a character is the only thing in the entire issue. I didn't like the arts, a little house style, but like it's yeah, I'm going to go 9.5 just because I, I can't wait to read the next issue. It's 38 pages long, which is a great deal. Great comic book. Yeah. And I'll give it, oh, I'm really curious who this mysterious figure is, especially well, professor X's dreams. Isn't it Legion? Didn't we find out it's Legion at the end? Oh, I guess we did. Cause Legion. Yeah. Legion. He's That's looking true. different the entire time. He's wearing right. this weird costume, right. but yeah, which I don't know much about him, but I'm excited to hopefully have a series that I can feel like I have my teeth in. Yeah, and in the car, I, I haven't finished the TV show yet, and I don't know if in the show they they probably don't reveal that he's Professor X's son because they probably can't legally on the show and the movies and blah blah blah. But uh, in the comics, he's Professor X's son that originally died of the the legacy virus but of course is now back right um boy one of the things i loved about this issue just a tiny little nightcrawler bit that i love that this person this writer artist brought back nightcrawlers him hiding in the shadows being invisible in shadows and that he's he's a wall crawler again because when i was a kid and i first saw him an amazing spider-man he he's just as wall crawly as spider-man is but you don't get to see it very often <laughs> I just love how much they use his like bamfing technology here, just like bam, bam, yeah. like, all over. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give it a nine because yeah, it would probably be a ten. Except I, yeah, the art is, it's okay, but it's it's not special in any way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, before we move on to our next book, I've got just mixing up the format. I've got a wonderful email here from the ever fantastic Rob Scafidio, part of our Comics Place Fantasy Football League. Um, and I've loved having him in the Fantasy Football League because he knows a ton about football on top of comics. So um, anybody who's interested in joining our Fantasy Football League who's not already in it, get at me. We'll do it for next year. But Rob Scafidio, hey, Jeff, Django, and Roman, you guys are killing the podcast realm with your perfectly acceptable podcast. Episode 222 was no exception as you were all in peak form. I look forward to the cast each week as you dive into a great number of new books. What a blast. I was just thinking, we won't ever see a new book reach more than like 50 issues before they reboot it. It always amazes me that the vast majority of books reviewed each week is a new number one. Yeah, I know. I'm old school. Can you gents talk at all about any plans to reopen the shop? I'm not sure if you guys can share anything on that front. And I'm also hoping to maybe hear a conversation or a review about the new Monsters book by Barry Windsor Smith uh, when it comes out. <laughs> and then finally, he posted a a picture within this that shows uh, he's a big fan of XM Studios, which is a Singapore-based Singapore, Singapore -based pop culture statue company. Rob has a huge collection of beautiful superhero statues. But he attached a picture of um, the Joker from this, and he talked about how much it looked like me when I had long hair. And y'all can't see it, but he's absolutely <laughs> right. It looks like me yeah. if I were pale <laughs> with uh, long green hair. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, well, let's get it both. All There's three things to touch on there. Yeah, things don't make it more than 50 issues without getting a number one. And then yeah. it's like we're episode we're, we're issue 12 and also 538. Like it, they're, they're 
trying to have their cake and eat it too. I can say for the podcast, I think that one of my goals, and I think we I guess we don't really talk about it that much, but I think a kind of silent goal on this podcast is to kind of be fill that role of being in the comic shop on a Wednesday and try to read as many new books as we can so that listeners or people who would be coming into the shop on a Wednesday can feel confident about which books to spend their money on and explore. So anything that's new, we try to cover just to say like, hey, is this worth your time or is it not worth your time? Um, th that's kind of one of the goals with the number ones is just try like we could talk about Batman every week, which we did for a long time. But at some point, it's just, you know, kind of us yelling at how much we love this same thing again and again. Um, so ones have an opportunity to create a variety of opinions about the thing. And then also hopefully at its best is kind of telling people what to be on the lookout for or to avoid. That's my goal with that. Roman, Barry Windsor Smith Monsters. Are you aware of all of this? I am not, but I'm great idea. I'm all for it. Barry Windsor Smith and Monsters. Let's do it. It's like a book 25 years in the making. If I'm correct, I think it's like a Hulk or Man Thing story or something or like Swamp Thing story that he was working on that like neither of the studios would pick up. It first came across Django and Mai's attention in uh, um, Cartoonist Kayfabe. Actually, let's we, we might even be able to see if Django knows what's going on with that. Just a second. Let's. So, so it's not a. Uh, I was assuming from the title, it was like a just an art book. I thought that is an actual well, story. I thought that as well at first as myself, uh, but I think we're, let's ask Django. Let's see if he picks up the phone here. Um, I gotta hold it up to here. Maybe this will work, Django. Yeah, oh. that's that's me. There that's, he is. Sounds like sounds like it's coming through the podcast headphones now. Hey, okay. Django, uh, we just got a quick question for you here on the Papcast two twenty three. Two twenty three. Yeah. What do you what do you got? Oh, you guys are at Modesto this week, aren't you? This is a Modesto show. <laughs> you fucking bet nice. it is. Hey, nice. um, listen, you seem to be the only one of us that has more information about the Barry Windsor Smith monster book coming out. Can you mm. tell us what that is? I don't know everything about it, but I think that it's a Hulk story that he started to do, and it was maybe too dark for Marvel, and so they told him no, and it. I think maybe they somebody else took some ideas from it and turned it into a different Hulk story that was like totally separate from what his plan was, and so this story has just kind of languished for 30 or 40 years, and now it's coming out as monster okay so we're gonna have to do like just a whole rob scafidio wants you know wants some juice about it and i i totally agree but we might have to do like a special show on it or something because i think it's like a i think it's like a standalone book i think it's fairly large if i'm correct yeah i think it's i think it's a hardcover you know a big a big old booko um rob scafidio he sent us a picture of a Joker sculpture yeah. that looks remarkably like you. <laughs> yeah, I showed Roman <laughs> on the cast. He agreed. I, it, it looks so much like me. I almost want to grow my hair out so I can cut it off again. <laughs> it, yeah, uh, I, I thought that was a good a good observation by Rob. <laughs> hey, hey, Django, before we lose you here, what was your favorite book of the week? My favorite book of the week so far. I haven't I haven't read I haven't read everything yet. Um, it certainly was not You Promised Me Darkness. Yeah. I, can tell you that. I was going to do a thing um, like a speculator corner and I got like a third of the way into that book and I bailed. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Um, gosh. 
my favorite book this week, I probably haven't read. No. Um, so you haven't read Nightwing yet is what you're saying. Yeah, I haven't read Nightwing. I, I know that that's going to be one that I really dig. I did catch up on Serial this week. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, gosh, I thought that I read a bunch more books than I have, but I'm, I'm looking through the books that I haven't read here yet. And, that's, uh, there's a lot of them. That's kind of the vibe of the week. I get it. I get it. You're going to you're gonna love Nightwing. Um, did you read Many Deaths of Layla Starr? No, that's that's at the top of my stack. That's that's our next book that we're going to talk about. So I'm going to leave you here, yes. and we're going to get into that. Hey, uh, enjoy that. We will. And I'll see you in the future. See you there, bud. Bye-bye. Django Bourne, fantastic I, man. I mean, boy, that's exciting that Barry Windsor Smith. And it's the whole, that's awesome. You know, and I, I got to put in my two cents about the length, the, the numbering. I, sh- mm, I And I understand that, you know, the marketing of it and everything and why they do it. But I hope at least they all Marvel and DC keeps on doing legacy numbering along with it. Because when I see the legacy number, I either say it or, or I'm at least thinking it every time going, ah, that's the real number of this right. issue. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's only number one for a couple months until they want to go back to the number, but just as long enough to increase sales. So, yeah. And it made me think, you know, when we open, when we reopen the store, should we somehow apply that to the store? Comics place and, number and, one. Yeah. Renumber it somehow, even though legacy we don't numbering. numbers. Yeah. 40 <laughs> legacy numbering 39, but we're number one. <laughs> Um, and then as we're opening, you know, uh, we're, we're shooting for June. We're shooting, we were shooting for early June, but the main priority right now is having everybody fully vaccinated in the very clear zone. But, um, yeah. don't quote us on that. Yeah. Don't quote us. Cause it all depends on, you know, the variables, if any variants come down from Canada or take over, start shutting things down here, like they are up in Canada. Or if we just start to get real scared and sad, that's a thing that happens too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we're like, uh-huh. Oh my God, look at all those people out there. Forget it. <laughs> but it has been amazing. The amount of support that we've gotten uh, through this entire thing. So cannot thank everyone enough. Many deaths of Layla star. This is by Rom V and Philippe Andrade. I like wrong V. I love Philippe Andrade's art and love this... Andrade Andrade WWE. And I liked this. I thought it was a really playful and intelligent book. It was, uh, I, I really, it's, this is basically three simultaneous things are sort of happening. And it's a child being born, a girl possibly committing suicide or just falling out of a window to her death. And the spirit, the entity death being called to the high ivory tower in the sky by, you know, the high father of sorts. I just compare everything to the the Kirby pantheon. So whatever you pagans believe is high father and high father basically says, Hey death, you done good, but we're going to let you go because we don't really need you anymore because this baby was just born and he's going to mean mortality is no longer a thing and everyone's going to be immortal. And she's like, I'm going to then go to earth and kill this baby. And she goes to try and kill this baby. Can't bring herself to kill a baby runs out of a room, gets hit by a car and then gets propositioned to go back to earth and kill this baby several years later. That's this book in a nutshell. Yeah. And I, and I really liked it too. And, and yeah, pardon, pardon, pardon my ignorance, but uh, you know, I, you know, it starts off in the city of Mumbai and I was, and I, I'm totally ignorant, stupid American. I'm, I don't know. So are these the Hindu gods? I'm not sure, but this, I love the way it's portrayed and she goes up to see whoever the head of this pantheon is um and she and she's death basically which i think in hindu 
mythology, spirituality is Yama, maybe. Um, and he fires her, <laughs> and she, which means she has to go become human and live on Earth, um, which freaks her out because, you know, she's she's a death goddess. She doesn't know how to be human and live as a human being. Um, yeah, I, I think you said Yama is the yeah. mythology of India, the god of the dead. Um, the Vedas describe him. Uh, the first man who died, but he is portrayed as blue skinned and multiple armed, which is how she is portrayed in this. Although gender is yeah. not really brought into it. So yeah, I do. I think it's uh, the Hindu incarnations of those. I liked the really casual, playful way that those were addressed. There, there wasn't yeah. any strict adherence to a pantheon. It didn't feel like, Hey, acknowledge this or Hey, this is the, this is just sort of like, Hey, here's whatever. We just need a death and we need a high father and we need a, the God of life as well. And bam. Yeah, yeah, that that playfulness that she goes to this giant towering skyscraper that that rises above the clouds, and that's part of that playfulness. Because usually, you know, these gods are portrayed in, in such spiritual um, nirvana ick mm -hmm. type terms and images, and and this is so unlike that. Yeah, it's like being a deity is kind of like going to work for the day. You know, yeah, like yeah. your suit and riding up the elevator. And I love that. And I love basically that this whole the sentiment this is based around is just that death is bummed that they got fired. So they're going to Earth to kill the person that's responsible for ending mortality, <laughs> which is a pretty like, uh, you know, basic level story, you know, basic intention, right? Like jealousy or, or spite wanting you to kill somebody. So, yeah, that I think is a very fun thing. Right, and it and it is, and, and plus just the pettiness of it, because yeah, petty. The, re yeah. The, the reason he fires her is because this baby has been born, and this baby is destined to uh, make death, just like in the X Men comics, make death obsolete. Mm -hmm. um, so she decides, well, I'm going to go kill this baby for no other reason than she wants to keep her job. Yeah, and I kind of think that the star of the show is the art. Like the writing is really great, but the art is, I think, what gives it its its movement and its playfulness and the color palette. Um, I think everything is kind of gratifying and fun to look at. And even the deities have like there's a fun, messy kind of art to them. And yeah, it, it's kind of what gives it its sort of boom flair, I would say, is the art. So Philippe Andrade has done Marvel stuff, did some stuff at Ms. Marvel. Um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm on board for it. I'm ready. I It's a boom book, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The art, this, in fact, this will, looking at these books here for the week, I'm thinking. No, no I way. Think, I think. No, over Way of X? No. Yeah, I think this might be my uh, Roman. My... I gotta talk to you about where you're sending your clams, but that seems like a crazy thing. You was really liking those other books, and all of a sudden you're giving out gooey ducks to this one. Well, I like the art better in this one, um, Bear, than I do in Way of X. But like, what about the conversations about mortality and religion and stuff from the Way of X book? Well, that was great. I really did love that. But what about Nightcrawler? That... We've got that going on here too. Oh, that's okay. true. The other book had Nightcrawler. Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to give this at least a oh, nine. You can go away all over it if you want to, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this at least a nine. But you're right. Oh, you see, right now. Now I'm thinking I should have gave a gooey to the Nightcrawler book. Or the Nightwing book. That was really good, too. Do you remember his costume and the pizza and stuff? That does have better art. 
Just got better pizza too. Nope, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna gooey. Ah, oh, some way of accent. I didn't really the art. Blah blah blah. Did I just get under your skin, Roman? You did. That's you do it. Oh, you do it. I do live it every just time between there. the dermal and the epidermal. <laughs> the epidermal. Very good stuff. Very good. Well, if we were doing decimals, I'd give this at least a nine point five. But we're not doing decimals, so I'll give it a nine. Oh no! Commit to the ten, bud. Don't let that bear get you. <laughs> but he's right. I do love Nightcrawler more than I love Yama. Sorry, Hoodoo's everywhere. <laughs> Nightcrawler's <laughs> kind of a winner. Well, I got a gooey something. I'm gonna gooey this. Ew! You're permanently <laughs> gooey on somewhere. Um, but I, I, I think that's a great call. I think it's a lot of fun. If I'm doing whole numbers, no decimals, I'm gonna go eight point five on that one. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, we got another little email to send uh, out into the old ether, the pop, the pap sphere, as it were. Ooh, that's. Mm. Um, this one's from our friend Dino. Hey, how is everyone doing, Roman? Chipino. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Chapino. Thank you. I'm doing well as well, Chapino. Thanks for asking. Um, rough week, but the cat seems to be doing pretty well. So for fun, totally reread the '96 classic event for all the monies DC versus Marvel. So I started listing the matchups I would like to see now such as so for fun totally reread the i can't know i because reread i don't know if it's reread or i reread um but here are the matchups black canary versus black widow zatanna versus scarlet witch crush versus laura's wolverine harley quinn with bud and lou her hyenas versus deadpool and jeff the land shark anyway you get the idea so my question to you is what matchups would you want to see okay Okay, so what he's saying is there was Marvel versus D- DC. You remember like Wolverine and Batman? They made Dark Claw and Superman yeah. and Captain America. Yeah, Little Amalgam. Yeah. He met, yeah, that was so cool. That's like my juice. He listed <laughs> some things he would like to see. What is the what is the matchup that we would want to see? Follow up question: Who do you want writing and drawing it? Thanks, Chipino. Okay, great question. Well, I obviously want Batman versus Fortnite. No, that's a kid. That's a, that's a joke to the hell that the speculator sent us to this week in the comic shop. Yes, guess what, Jeff? You've got your wish. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's hard for me to top Wolverine versus Batman. I think is like the best one there has been. I also love the comic Batman versus Spider Man that our wonderful subscriber Eric Crane gave me because I love it. Bagley, it's so good. Um, Roman, what about you? Marvel versus DC. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I, oh boy, I, I don't know how interesting it would be because they're so similar, but I think Moon Knight versus Daredevil, just because the visual would be so cool, the contrast. Like but those that. are both Marvel. Oh, don't. Whoops. I already screwed up the whole premise. <laughs> I, I messed up the whole premise. God, I've I'm, got one one. How embarrassing. <laughs> I would love to see the Fantastic Four versus the Bat Family. First, I was thinking Reed Richards versus Batman, and I'd like to see that a lot. But then I'm like, it feels weird to take Reed Richards out of the Fantastic Four. So I think the Fantastic Four combined with like Batman, Nightwing, Robin, and Batgirl, you know, like a sort of version of those four. I think you've got like the the detective things. I guess the Bat Fam doesn't have any superheroes or superpowers rather, but they've got, you know, they've got a thing going for them. That, that would be mine. The Fantastic Four versus the Bat Fam. That's a good one. I like that. I'd, I'd, I'd read that. I'd buy that for a dollar. And I want Hickman and Tom King writing it together with art by Frank <laughs> Quietly, obviously. Well, wow. Jeez. I, I, I can't, I can't follow that. My God, well, that's who, a dream book. <laughs> who would be good for the demon to fight? 
which Marvel character would be good for the demon to go up against? Or Plastic Man. Plastic Man and Elongated Man. Boy, you know, that, that, that demon question. Uh, actually, you know, I was trying to think, who would I want to see fight a story with Ben Grimm? And I think that could be really interesting. Ben Grimm and the demon. I mean, Their both, dialogue would be so fun. Yeah, fun dialogue. They're both so powerful. And, you know, some artists draw the demon as a big hulking guy. Um, that would be cool visually. And plus, I mean, you could get into the even if you wanted to the spiritual stuff, because, you know, Ben is Jewish. He's doesn't talk about it much, but he's religious at his core. Mm -hmm. And the demon is, you know, straight out of hell. How would Ben feel about fighting the thing straight from hell? And, you know, you got your, your rhyming demon versus your Brooklyn bruiser, you know? Yeah. Love that. that. I, I like that one. That, that'd be pretty cool. Okay. All right. So now let's get to, we've got two books left on the docket. Uh, we're going to talk about Women of Marvel, and then we're going to talk about Alice in Leatherland. But before we get to Alice in Leatherland, Women of Marvel, number one from Marvel Comics. This is another anthology book this week uh, on top of, you know, Superman, Red and Blue. We're getting a lot more anthology books um, coming out. It's just, I think, post-pandemic world. We've been seeing a ton of them. DC has been laying them out there, but Marvel also does. Um, this one, I thought it was... I liked this one a lot, but what I really liked about it was the introduction by, by Louise Simonson. Did you read, I know you read uh, Back Matter. Do you read uh, Prologue for Matter? Yep, I do. And I love Louise Simonson. She has been at Marvel in a large capacity forever. And I just love the way that she talked about the sort of systemic way that comics have become male dominant, but it was not accusatory or finger pointing it was just like yeah you know it started out these guys made it and they made stories that were interesting to them um and that inspired other guys and then they wanted to write those things but we were you know mis misled to believe that only men were reading them and women were reading them and 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 i just really liked the way that she talked about that by just being like but you know thank goodness we also got there was always women working there and they got a chance to write things and they were great and there's these rich women characters and um now at editorial there's tons of women working there so this book is a lot of different female writers and artists uh, doing either one page stories or three page stories, highlighting a ton of different characters in the Marvel universe. And I just thought it was really well done. What I liked about it more than your standard anthology is that it wasn't five, eight page stories, right? There's like four or five, one page stories in here. Like there's a lot of versatility in the type of storytelling. And I found myself really enjoying the one page stories more than anything. But Roman, that's my long preamble. What did you think of this? Yeah, I like the one-page stories more. Um, I'm trying to figure out who wrote this one that I really like. She's got the look. Oh, by Mariko Tamaki. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a Emma Frost one-page story. No, I really like that one too. Yeah, I, I really like the art on it by uh, Nina Vakuva. Yeah, Vakueva. Vakueva? Yes, pardon, pardon me for our mangling of names here. Yeah. Some of the stories, you know, like any anthology, some of the stories I was like, eh, okay, whatever. I did like seeing Mystique's kind of original costume here. Yeah. The Stegron story. Yeah. It was it fun. Was, yeah. The Medusa story was fun. I like oh, the Mariko Tamaki Peach Momoko Lady Deathstrike one page one at the beginning where she's like got the long nails. I'm like, well, we can do this for your nail or this for your nail. And then she gets them all like jeweled up and she's like, now I just need to get my keys out. Like, I, I really liked that. Just sort of one page, beautiful Momoko art. 
Yeah, that's gorgeous art. I really liked the uh, Misty Night mm-hmm. uh, five, four or five page story. That was good. Um, I actually didn't read the last story with uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm kind of surprised because I love the Guardians. I didn't either, and I'm sorry, Andrew, specifically, but you put Rocket Raccoon and my eyes just kind of glaze over. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I thought this was like really good. Uh, I, I really liked the She-Hulk story where she was chasing the rhino through the whole time. Like the art in that was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, I, there is... Yeah, there's a there's a different quality to a book that is written and drawn all by women, right? And and that's a good thing. And it speaks to the point that like when a thing is written and drawn by men, it is of a certain type, even if they're trying to be inclusive, right? It's coming from voices who view the world a certain way. And it's really important to increase the number of voices that we hear talking about anything. I think a, a multi-angle view of any subject is what allows us to have the most informed opinion. So talking about superheroes doesn't do us any good to only hear about them from men. And in doing that, the flow of this issue was kind of inherently different than the flow of, you know, a lot of the anthologies that we've gotten. Yeah, I'm glad Marvel is doing these, <clears throat> doing these, uh, these one shot anthologies. So far, they've done the, oh, I forget what they called them. Um, there was the Indigenous Voices one. Yep. And the, the african-american one was there one of those yep yeah i think there was like indigenous voices and there was like voices legacy and there was just marvel voices yeah yeah and i hope they keep on doing this that this isn't just like a uh for like a year and then they never and then they never do it again until you know a decade from now or something yeah that would be a bummer i hope it's not sort of like oh look at the times that we're in so we've got to do our part and write these things like no this is just like a feature of storytelling needs to be hearing from a lot of voices. So yeah. Yeah. Just keep on doing this. Don't let it, you know, just be a a short term gimmick. Right. Yeah. I, I really liked it. These anthology books can go either way for me. Um, and doing like just whole numbers. I'm going to give this one a 7.5. There was a couple stories I didn't care for that much, but there was some ones that I, I really did like. Um, I'll give this a overall. Yeah. I'll give it a 7.5. Or seven, I guess, without points. Oh, I like the Hella story. I like the I like the I like the one page Hella story too. Me too. The weighted blanket and the big dog that ends up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, before we get out of here, I've just got to ask about Alice and Leatherland from Black Mass Studios, number one. I don't know who wrote and drew this. I didn't read it. It looked like a kind of a kid boom book, but then I looked through it and I was like, well, this is sort of like a kind of a fantasy sexcapade kind of book. Um, it does kind of end with. Yeah, some nudity just, yeah and leather but you know she's in san francisco that's that's just, just yeah part of the territory <laughs> yeah roman um, knows where he's comfortable wearing his leathers this this book it wasn't at all what i expected from the title because the title is in leatherland i was expecting like a toms of finland type of type of thing and that's not this at all no and our main it starts off as a as a cute little like fairy tale with this little lightning bug right um because the main character is a children's book writer and it was just charming uh, you know she ends up following her dream and and almost reluctantly following her dream at times um and moving to san francisco which you know is nuts because it's one of the most expensive cities in the united states if not the world um and she doesn't have any friends there and she ends up with this 
finding a room in this place that they answer the door and they're all leather boys and leather girls, something, you know, stuff going on. Um, and she copes with stress by trying to write her little cute fire, firefly character, firebug. And it's just a sweet story. With some, so it is just a sweet story without being overly well, 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 not overly sexual yet, though. Part of the, oh, part of the reason spoilers that she leaves, she makes this move is because she has a girlfriend that she kept cheating on her with another woman. Mm. Um, and yeah, it looks like because of her new living situation, there's going to be some kind of sex stuff going on. There's at least one roommate is or two, maybe all of them are are some kind of sex workers. Um, but at its core, it's a sweet story about you know a young person trying to trying to make her worry way in way in the world doing art and writing. I just was trying to look at it and be like, what age is like, what is the lower, what is, you know, <laughs> like, don't who, know. who do you turn away from this book? You don't see any naughty bits or anything in this first issue though. One of the new roommates that shows up is, I mean, she's basically wearing heels and straps and not a whole lot of straps, but you know, you don't really see anything though. There are, well, she does have, she's got, words written all over body and horror seems to be the worst one that we see well bullshit. oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah 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 oh, there, there was I bitch, saw okay yeah yeah there's some words there that probably kids you turn the chins away from um yeah well what was your score for it then Ooh, this one also gets oh i, I like the art too this i did like gets, the art when flipping through it yeah this one gets gets a solid nine nice all right. Okay. Well, I feel like we've done everything we need to do. We we saw the messages. We incorporated them. We had fun. We talked to each other. We talked about books, TV shows, sick cats. Thanks for everyone being patient with it. I didn't, you know, we didn't get to read quite as many things as normal. It was a weird, it was a weird week. And I guess to tell you what, I'm gonna get my second COVID shot this week. So who knows what state I'll be in oh, on the next cool. podcast. Yeah. When are you getting it? What day? Thursday, 28. <laughs> oh, wow. Do you have Fridays off? I do. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can write us an email at jeff at thecomicspace.com. I love getting them. I'm so pumped that we got three of them this week. We would love to have three next week. and be fun to just incorporate them throughout the show like this. This was a good time. Uh, questions, statements, reflections, opinions, anything. Um, just get at us. We're here to just sort of be the people that you would run into at a comic shop. Thanks for joining us for 223. I am always I'm Jeff. And I am Roman. You know what? Uh, do you have any? Since Django's not here, do we have? Do you have any questions? What's on your mind, buddy? Mind? Do you have any questions? I. <sighs> and we'll see you on the other side. Love you. Love you. Love you, people.